I was painting and I had to kind of gradually let that go like as we were adding more children to our family. Um, so I, I really just needed to like carve out a space to be creative still. And that year of 2015 of like, I was feeling desperate. I really felt like, you know, I was just like looking for something. You start tasting how real fresh grain tastes compared to like stuff that's been sitting on the shelves. And, and also just like after baking that first loaf, even though I remember many cuss words and um, like burning my hands and it being really difficult, that it was just like an immediate addiction. You know, I was like, I hate it. I hated that, but I'm gonna do it again. This is the Sourdough Podcast, the show about the innovators, leaders, and creative trailblazers in the sourdough community and the stories behind the bread. I'm Mike Kilburn, and on this episode of the Sourdough Podcast, we continue our focus on cottage bakers with my interview with Noelle Deeb. Originally starting as a creative outlet, Noelle tells us how her sourdough baking eventually grew into her cottage bakery, El Breadshop. Noelle talks about her original sourdough inspiration, what motivated her to start her business, and some helpful practices and tips for starting a cottage bakery. I wanted to give a quick shout out to my nearly 1,000 new Instagram followers, uh, most of you finding me since my last interview with Adam Pager. Thank you to everyone who sent me such encouraging messages, and most of all, thank you to those of you who have been sharing the podcast and helping it grow so much these last couple weeks. If you want to help the podcast grow, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. Additionally, another easy thing you can do is to take a screenshot right now. I even give you permission to pause the podcast. So go ahead and share it on Instagram and be sure to tag me. I love resharing your posts, and of course, it's super helpful in sharing the podcast with others. And as always, stay tuned after the podcast for new music from Weston Perry. You can find his music at westonperrymusic.com or wherever you stream music. And now, here's my interview with Noelle Dean. My guest today is Noelle Deeb. Noelle is a baker, mother, and owner of Elbred Shop in Louisville, Kentucky. Noelle is a part of our sourdough Instagram community who I've been following for years and is someone I've commented back and forth with, solicited bread advice from, and although we've never met in person, I've admired her as a stay-at-home mother, a self-taught sourdough baker, and even more now as she shared her journey to becoming a cottage bakery operator. Noelle, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And uh, it's so great to actually speak to you face to face, <laughs> virtually. Yeah, super cool. I kind of, in a way, feel like I'm meeting a pen pal. Not that it's, I've ever had that situation before, totally. but it's, yeah, it's cool. No, that's, Thanks, I, feel the, I feel the same way. <laughs> yeah, it's like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember specifically like when we started following each other. Um, it had to be early on, but I, I don't remember. It, it's probably like this with a lot of other people, I would imagine, like in our little sourdough community. But like, I have this like small group of people who I've been following kind of since I started baking. And uh, I don't even remember when or even like why exactly I started following them. Um, <laughs> 
but you're one of those people that I've been commenting with and sharing info back and forth with for so long. So, I mean, I really, yeah, like I said, I feel like I kind of know you already, kind of like yeah. a pen pal sort of thing. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, I've really been looking forward to having you on the show. I will. Thank you. Before we delve into your cottage bakery journey, um, maybe you can tell us about yourself, maybe for like our audience who doesn't follow you or don't live in, in the in Louisville area. Um, can you tell us maybe a little bit about yourself and your background? Yeah, sure. So I'm not from Louisville, so I guess I could start with how I got here. Um, my I grew up in Wisconsin, and um, I was a barista for 10 years from the age of like 17 until I was 27. And I went to college for a few years, but I never ended up graduating. Um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was into art. I kind of was into art like for a really long time and ended up figuring out that there's not really much you can do with that unless you're, you know, going to be a teacher or something. So I, we had our first, our, before that, I met my husband in um, 2004, and we were doing, we actually met in California. We were both doing urban ministry in Oakland. And really? Wow. He, yeah. I mean, Oakland was a very different place back then. <laughs> um, well, I mean, it, 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 compared to Louisville or, you know, it's, it's yeah, West Coast. Yeah. East Coast. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I went there from Wisconsin, like a small town. So uh -huh. it was it was kind of one of those like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to take a year off and do this thing in Oakland and just kind of figure out um, what what my interests are basically outside of art. And my husband, who's from Louisville, did the same thing. And so we met there and I ended up moving here. Like we, you know, we ended up obviously together and I moved here. And, um, so we had fast forward a little bit. We had our first kid, um, in 2010. And at that point I became a stay at home mom from a barista. So I didn't have to like leave any serious job, which was kind of nice. But, mm -hmm. uh, and then we had our, our second kid in 2012 and, at that point, we had started the adoption process, and so it's something we knew we wanted to do. And so 2015 is when we got on a plane, went to China, and, you know, picked up our son. He was just about wow. two years old. We brought him home. Um, but the catch is I was also 32 weeks pregnant when we got <laughs> on that plane. So we ended up going from two to four kids wow. in like a two-month span of time um and i mean nothing could have prepared us for that it was the following <laughs> two years were literal just insanity we just like slowly had to dig ourselves out of this hole and um having a newborn you know plus a kid who was obviously adjusting pretty dramatically yeah. to a new life and we didn't i mean we didn't sleep for like 18 months and um <laughs> yeah it was insane but we gradually kind of got our health back together individually and like as a family and it was um in 2016 that i went on my first kind of like retreat by myself 
And on my way out of town, I stopped at a local bookstore. I uh, grabbed a book off the shelf because it just in big letters said sourdough. And I was like, huh, interesting. And at that point, I had like, I had tried a starter and just failed and made really crummy bread out of it. Um, no pun intended. <laughs> and uh, so the book was, you know, Sarah Owen's book, obviously. Oh, yeah. I took it on this retreat with me and just like read it front to back over and over again. And, and, but you had no, um, prior to that, you had like no context for, or what was your context for sourdough? <clears throat> Um, I mean, like I said, I had kind of tried a starter out once or twice. I didn't, I totally was just doing it. Not no like education or anything. I just like, was like, I think I know how to do this. And I really did not. So it did not last. Um, so I guess, I think I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm like telling my whole story right now. <laughs> no, no, go for it. Um, so that was kind of, I remember like 2016 was like the first, the year that I baked my first like pretty legit loaf of bread. Um, and I had a friend who had been baking out of the tartine book and he would bring us loaves of bread. And I was just like, these loaves are insane. They're so good. <laughs> and I remember like looking at the recipe and just being like, um, yeah, you're, you're crazy. Like, how are you doing this? <laughs> uh, He's probably so, some single guy, no kids, <laughs> just has all the time. Well, kind of. At the time, <laughs> he, he, he just like perfected everything he put his hands on. It was like roasted his own coffee and it was like the best coffee I've ever mm. had, you know, just very particular with the way that he did things. But yeah, that answers your question, I guess. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of kind of where you came from, you, you know, your, your start, you started your family you found Sarah Owen's book, which is a pretty amazing book to start with. Mm -hmm. That's not uh, an easy or it's pretty intimidating itself, that book. There's like some very like uh, complex, you know, amazing recipes with just all these different types of ingredients and yeah. seasonal. Yeah, I think that's why I was attracted to it was honestly the cookies. I'm like, what? Mm. I can make sourdough cookies? Mm. I'm going to buy this book. <laughs> what would you say what kind of like experience has had you had uh, prior to that or, or what, what do you think kind of made sourdough baking even appeal to you in the first place? I, so I did leave out. I mean, I, I said that I was like really into art. I was, you know, painting and I had mm -hmm. to kind of gradually let that go. Like as we were adding more children to our family. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I really just needed to like carve out a space to be creative still. Mm hmm. And that year of 2015 of like us feeling desperate, I really felt like, you know, I was just like looking for something and I had already mm -hmm. kind of um, had these like kitchen projects that I hmm. was doing like kombucha and, you know, fermenting vegetables and, you know, I was making me all our meals and stuff and I enjoyed that. And so it's kind of like, just like the next thing, you know, I'm like, we eat, you know, bread. And once you start eating the sourdough bread, you taste other bread and you're like this, like you just kind of can't go back, you know, um, yeah. you start tasting how real fresh grain tastes compared to like stuff that's been sitting on the shelves. And, um, and so I think that, you know, once, and also just like after baking that first loaf, even though I remember many cuss words and, um, like burning my hands and it being really difficult that it was just like an immediate addiction. You know, I was oh, like, yeah. I hate it. I hated that, but I'm going to do it again. Yeah. You just posted a picture of your first loaf. 
Yeah, I, had, I think when I was thinking about this interview, I'm like, when I was talking to my husband, I'm like, when was that? Because also with that hard year for us, it's like kind of such a blur. I was mm. like, I think it was in 2016. And so I had to look it up. And I mean, I remember looking at the picture. I totally remember that moment. It looked uh, about 10 times better than the first loaf I pulled out of my oven. <laughs> no, I mean, I could definitely relate to that kind of uh, desire to, you know, fill this like creative void. We were, I remember when I started baking, you know, I'm in a small apartment or, or we started, we had our first kid and I also decided to stay home and yeah. And there's, you know, there's kind of limitations on, on space and time and energy. And, uh, like you said, you know, you got to eat and might as well eat good food and, and, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And there's just, there's nothing like that kind of first experience of, opening that oven and or popping open that Dutch oven lid and, and seeing, mm-hmm. you know, something actually rose without yeast and, you know, artificial yeah. or, or, or manufactured yeast in it. So um, I can totally relate. So you made the leap though. You are, you're a cottage baker now. Um, mm-hmm. What, uh, what was there? Was there like one motivating factor or kind of push that made you th- decide like, I'm going to go for it and, and start selling my, my bread. Yeah. I think the, I mean, the motivation was I had like slowly started, you know, putting our kids in school. And I think when my three boys were in school and I just had my one daughter at home, I just started to think like, what am I going to do? Cause she's going to go to school in like the next two years. You know, what am I going to do? I don't want to, you know, I'm not going to go back to being a barista. I don't have a degree in anything. Um, I don't want to leave the home, you know, ideally I'd like to do something where I'm still very proactive with my family. Um, I just didn't like the idea of like leaving, you know, to work for the day and then coming home Yeah, just felt like more stressful. And so, and that was around the time where I really started to enjoy baking, um, bread. And so it just kind of like made sense to move in that direction. Um, and thankfully we have been a part of the same community for, I mean, I've, I've lived here now for 14 years and like we've stayed pretty much in the same part of town and like have been a part of the same church and have had many of the same friends mm-hmm. that whole time. And so I just had like a really good base of people to like try things out on who I knew were going to be excited. Um, and so I just gradually put myself out there more and more like I mean it was definitely baby steps I never felt like I needed to put all this pressure on myself to do more than I could and I mean the times when I felt like I wanted to take a big jump my husband was always like well what's the rush like you know (laughs) just do it like take your time and do it slow and do it right and like you're right I don't to I don't need like 12 12 loaves of bread when I haven't even sold you know like four you know where people like approaching you and like banging on your door or were your, <laughs> were your friends like getting a taste for it and how, how did that kind of what made you think that like I'm just gonna start I'm gonna was it just kind of a spontaneous thing or I think it was like a I should it'd be nice to make a little bit of money and like at least enough to like pay for the stuff that I'm buying like the yeah. flour and and so I what I did is I first just started posting on um, her church's Facebook page, like Facebook page and, uh, 
I got like great. I mean, I sold more through that than Instagram at first. Oh, cool. Um, and so I just did that every week. And I mean, it was like eight loaves of bread. That was kind of like my cap at that point. Cause okay. I think I was only doing two at a time, which is, I know pretty normal, but as I kind of progressed, I ended up being able to figure out how to do five at a time. And so yeah. that was really nice. Um, so I do like eight with my goal and I like hit that goal and I just like keep doing eight for a while. And then I kind of just gradually would like take more orders. Honestly, I'm like, sure, I can do 10. Sure, I can do 12. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I would just, I, similar model to what I do now is I just, I just bake, you know, I, I bake it and people either pay me ahead of time or they bring cash and I'd literally just set it out on my porch. Mm. Um, and it's, yeah. So, well, let's, I want to go back a little more, maybe rewind a little bit to like, kind of like the, the mental kind of like decision-making process. Cause I actually had a really interesting kind of like exchange with a lady just recently after my, my interview with Adam Pager and, uh, she kind of took his quote of choose your work carefully to heart. Um, mm -hmm. And, but she did it by like deciding actually not to sell her bread to like a local CSA. Um, she said it kind of like, she kind of felt like at the time it was going to take too much time or energy and, and maybe even like enjoyment away from baking for her mm -hmm. and, you know, some other reasons as, as well. But like, um, I just made me think like, wow, you know, that like, I think that like for a lot of us, there's like this, like, oh, I found something that I'm good at or I enjoy for doing with my family. Um, where, you know, and like, but that doesn't always necessarily mean that like, there's another step to take, you know, or that you have to take that step. I think people yeah, like yeah. maybe sometimes put that pressure on themselves. This woman, for example, you know, you know, took that advice and, you know, made a healthy, good decision. Um, I guess what I'm saying is like a lot, of, I think a lot of times by like saying yes to certain things, we have to kind of say no to other things. Um, and so my, I guess my question would be like, have, did you find that it just fit your life like really well? And that's why you decided to do, or were there certain things you actually had to like say no to, to kind of pursue this path? I don't know if I've, if I really had to say no to much. I mean, I wasn't, besides being a stay at home mom, which obviously, you know, it's like, it's so much work, but I, I think I was choosing, I basically was just like saying yes to like carving a space for what I like, what my passions are in mm -hmm. my family, you know, within that space of my family. And I'm sure, you know, it's, I guess like saying no to time with my kids maybe at this point, cause, cause I'm doing it more. So, which is, I guess, like a conundrum, spending more time, like being with my family, but having to say no to my family. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't think there's like been a big thing that I've had to say no yeah. to, yeah. I guess. But it's, yeah. I mean, I think to a certain extent, it always has to kind of like fit within like the rhythms that you already have Yeah, so like saying, I mean, I guess like saying no, like I'm not going to bake this, when I'm not going to do bread this Friday, it's too much, I'm tired, mm -hmm. like we need, we need to like kind of reset. And so, you know, being in a place where I can say no when I want to, as far as like, 
knowing what our capacity is or what my capacity is. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, different every week. So. Yeah. And I feel like, and I feel like a lot of times cottage bakeries like are a, a, actually are a path that people choose because it does work within rhythms that they have established and they do have space for it. Um, and there's a kind of maybe in some instances, like a minimal, you know, cost to it as far as like time and, and things you have to give up and um kind of reminds me of like a, a you had a post a few months ago and i think it was, it was just a picture of you it was like in september and it was like you had said something about you had officially put l bread out into the world and in april and you just found out you were going to have another baby <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and on top of that you were moving and renovating a house yeah. and yeah uh can you kind of reminisce about that sh- i mean because that's like you it sounds stuff. like you decided to make this leap to cottage baking and then boom 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 all this stuff kind of stacked yeah. on top i mean this past year was a very big year for us for sure um we had and the moving thing is totally another thing that um was like pretty much everything's just been perfect timing as far as where Elbred is now. Um, <clears throat> we had been wanting to move for a while and just like couldn't figure out where we wanted to move. We knew we wanted to like stay close, but we also like wanted to do kind of a work live space. Um, and so because we are moving and because I, at like the same time, I'm like, I want to do this bread thing. It was just perfect to plan for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed kind of seeing that your house come together and kind of how you created that space. Yeah. For your bakery yeah. and just like planned it into the, sorry, I'm take, probably taking away the story from you, but I, I, I could, I enjoyed seeing your vision come together. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. I mean, my, it was, it took us like 18 months to remodel this house. And um, thankfully we had, we had two other houses that we could sell like the house we lived in prior to this and then the house, our first house that we bought, we never sold. So we were able to just like consolidate and make this beautiful space and work model and for the oven and like for the, you know, for your bread, bread work. And so, but yeah, like the, the beginning of the year, I had all these plans for myself. Like I'm going to finally, you know, get healthy and, and <laughs> My, my youngest is four she's manageable like she can do her own thing and then it's like <laughs> i'm not gonna cuss on your podcast but it's definitely <laughs> like an o s moment and it was really hard pill to swallow um obviously unplanned but super in love with our daughter i mean she's two months old now and pearl right she's actually, yeah pearl she's actually made our lives easier which is probably sounds insane to most people who don't have five children but i mean all the kids love her and Mm. they all take care of her i mean i'm i'm like the most hands-off with the newborn that i've ever been you know they're (laughs) my 10 year old literally like walks around with her and um soothes her when she's sad so but that was a big like i mean once i got over the kind of I was like sad for a while. Once I got over that, I was like, I'm still going to move forward. Like, I'm not going to let this slow me down. There's no reason to, I mean, I'll just take it at a pace that I can handle. Mm. And so, uh, yeah. So I just kept moving forward with the bread idea and, um, we, yeah. So I, I guess I 
kind of launched in April and then we ended up moving in August and that's when, you know, I, I had the Rothko delivered like right before that. And so I was able to kind of like get, you know, get started right away on mm. baking more. So, so yeah, kind of moving <clears throat> more, I guess, into like the operational side of the bakery. Um, yeah. So you, so you bought this Rothko. That's, I mean, that's kind of like a big, <clears throat> that in itself is a big uh, step because they're not cheap and mm-hmm. you're you know k- kind of making this educated guess that you're going to be able to fill this rafco and sell all the bread in it um mm-hmm. yeah i know a lot like a you know a lot of people have like will save up to do it or, or could say well I'll, I'll buy a rafco what made you what made you decide that time was you were just you just committed it sounds like well to be honest with you mike I did not buy my Rafco. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody bought it for me, which was very, very generous. And that is not like, I don't, I, I'm not bragging whatsoever. I'm completely humbled by this, but I've, I mean, my, I've had to put very little money into El Bread Mm. and it's, again, it's like the community around me. They Mm. like believe in it so much that, I mean, I, you know, I asked my parents to help me with, my grain mill and they just were like, nah, we'll just buy it for you. And I'm like, what? Um, so, and there's been like other stories like that where I'm mm. just completely like, I don't know how to respond to this. You know, I'm just tumbled. And, and so it's, it's very motivating too, of course, because yeah. um, they believe in it enough to, to support me in that way. Um, and our, I mean, community at large, like the city of Louisville, there definitely are some good, and great bakeries, but there's nothing like the current kind of mm. grain movement, bread movement. So, um, yeah. So I think there's, there's just been like a great response because of that. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so all of that, you know, can be, you know, all these things can fall into place and you can have all the people banging down your door. Uh, but you still got to like, take steps to like legalize it and make, you know, and, and like uh, <laughs> apply for this process, which as I understand, uh, just became legal, like the cottage food operation in Kentucky. Um, what was that experience like for you? Like sending in or applying for permits and paying fees and all this stuff. Was it an easy process or? Oh my <laughs> if you want to start a cottage bakery, you should move to Kentucky because I have, had to do next to nothing to do it because wow. because it's a new law which i don't think it's going to stay that way of course i think they're gonna you know it's gonna they're gonna catch up to people i don't think a lot of people are doing it yet either but so when i had decided that i wanted to do a cottage bakery is actually when i saw of course bonnie i caught her on instagram and i was like what is this lady doing how do i do it and I looked into it. I'm like, oh, cool. I can't do it. Like, Kentucky doesn't allow it. <laughs> so it, I was very depressed for a little bit. It's like, basically, you had to have a completely separate kitchen. Um, but they they changed the law. It was like, I think it was like last year, maybe. Or it was like 2018. And to make it, they basically just like opened, opened it up more. It was more restrictive. And so um, at this point, all you have to do is 
pay like at the beginning of this year they they said you had to pay fifty dollars registration that's it so they don't yeah i mean they do say like you know labels and that kind of stuff but they don't like inspect you don't have to have a separate kitchen and you don't have to like have a certain washing system or you know all that stuff so it's it's fairly simple right now yeah wow and in your how who are you allowed to sell to <clears throat> anybody you want so yeah that's i can't sell to retail okay. um places so i think generally it's the same like i can do you know markets and sell from my home i can't ship across state lines which is not a problem but um yeah so basically people can come and pick it up and i can do markets wow yeah and then because i've also I'm, I've kind of, I've started the process over here myself in in California and have not had a similar experience thus far. <laughs> uh, knock on wood, I've I've barely just begun it, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, there yeah, I'm been illuminated on kind of some of the the struggles or you know that other people have gone through in my county, and, and I guess that's kind of like p- part of the the problem. I guess is that they they vary from county to county to state to state and you know city even you know the city you might your state might legalize it but then your county might obviously have different health code regulations and mm-hmm. then your city even might even have different you know uh, codes that you know restrict greatly like the possibility of people even coming to your doorstep to pick up bread so yeah yeah it's, it's really interesting like once you get into it and like start looking you know behind the curtain like it's you know a lot of that kind of romantic idea of you know i'm gonna have people lining up in front of my house around the corner yeah and, yeah. You know, yeah not always is that uh that not that easy but that's 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 encouraging that it's been pretty pretty smooth for you yeah, I definitely needed that. I'm like, I just want to ease into this. I don't want to have to do too much work at this point. Mm-hmm. But it's good. So can you describe a kind of a typical baking week for you? Yeah, I don't. I mean, it's this. I kind of hit this year running, which I had sort of planned to do. I, you know, obviously I took a little bit of time off when Pearl was born in November, December. And... I, right now I'm just sticking to, I bake on Tuesdays and Fridays. So, you know, obviously that means I'm working half the day Monday and then half the day Thursday as well. So, and so far it's been pretty good. I do like the bread club thing on Tuesdays and I've had, you know, a good response with that. And then I do just like the kind of whoever wants to grab bread on Fridays and my, like I, like I've said, I've kind of just like made small goals for myself. You know, I just keep making small goals for myself and I haven't the, you know, the goal that I made when we moved and for this year specifically is just like the amount of loaves that I sell. And I'm, you know, I, every week I do sell like a little bit more. And so that's again, very encouraging. Um, how many, yeah. how many loaves? are you baking these days? Um, so with the two days, it's around like last week it was 50 for the, like the whole week. Wow. Um, so I did. Yeah. Um, 
which is great. It's, it's just cool. I mean, you're kind of in this right now where you're like kind of building how many you make. It's cool to like make two and then feel super comfortable with making two and then you up mm. it to four. And then I'd, so, you know, I made like making 18 loaves to me right now. doesn't feel like anything, you know, and that's just really <laughs> cool to be there. It's yeah. like, I'm doing it. I'm like, I'm not stressed out. This feels like totally natural. And so, yeah, just, it's just like a really cool place to be. Speaking of, yeah, of like scaling, how has that process been like doubling and then doubling again? And, and like, have you been, have there been challenges there you've experienced? Like personally, I've like, yeah, like right now, you know, I just, I did again, just like what you're saying, I kind of did, you know, I was doing two for a long time, then I did four and then I just said, well, I'm going to try eight and now I'm doing 12, which for me is <laughs> slippery slope. <laughs> But I found that like kind of like the timing of the bulk fermentation and, and shaping is kind of tricky to do all of all 12 at one time on one table. Uh, yeah. You have similar challenges. Oh yes. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I remember when I first started kind of doubling what I was making, I'm like, this is not as easy as making just two or four. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, I've had, I've had a few struggles, you know, just with the cooler weather in this, this past month. And we've kind of talked about those things, but it's, I mean, it's still, you're just always learning and trying to figure out like the best way to do it with the environment and how much you're making. And, um, I think the biggest, like the thing that I struggle with most, honestly, is like scaling that much though. I feel like I don't, and I'm hoping over time, like that'll come more naturally, but just, when I'm trying to like scale the dough before I, um, before it's like pre-shaped and bench dressed and stuff, I feel like I'm just like chopping the crap out of it. <laughs> <laughs> me too. I'm like, me this, too. I feel like this isn't good to be like cutting it up this much. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, wa the wandering brook wanted to know what, how many types of, di or how many different types of loaves you bake. Um, and I guess, how, how do you time it all? But how many, are you making a lot of different types of bread? Are you sticking to just one kind of country loaf recipe? So I, what I've kind of been doing is like my standard city loaf and then one flavored type of loaf. So I mean, the past, like since the beginning of this year, I have actually been doing three types, which is not normal, but I've been doing like a very small amount of sandwich dough. They're sandwich loaves like six sandwich loaves and then which are actually everybody needs to get into sandwich loaves because they're like so easy i mean you you just plop the dough into the tin and like let it rise <laughs> yeah you're, um, i've seen yours you look they look really delicious thanks um uh, so it's typically two i mean if i'm like having a really if i'm like just want to sell some bread and don't want to put too much effort in it. That's like when I'll just do the, the regular, you know, city loaf, but mm -hmm. yeah. Um, you kind of alluded to this a little bit, but, um, can you tell us a little bit about your local grain economy? I mean, is there, does there, does it exist? Is, is it burgeoning? Is it growing? Is uh, what, what's kind of going on in your area in, in Louisville? Um, there's not much, like I said, there's one place that mills flour called, um, Louis mill. 
And I actually got my flower from them when I first started. And they're really great. I think I'm, I'm actually not totally sure where they get their wheat berries from, but there's not, yeah, there's not much. I mean, I don't know if it's because like right in the middle of the country, it takes a long time for everything to get to us, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's, I feel like it's kind of going to be a slow progress. I know that, um, Cause I feel like you're, long. you're closer to the grain belt than, than we are, but yeah, I mean, you know, Nebraska and South Dakota and, you know, there's obviously wheat coming from there and there's, um, I think even maybe parts of Minnesota. So but nothing like in Kentucky um, and even, you know, obviously North, North Carolina, South Carolina, that too. So there's, there's stuff around. Yeah. But yeah, I've had similar issues with sourcing my flower. I, I mean, I would love to use a California grown and milled flower, but you mm-hmm. know, I'm just, I'm just far enough out of like the Bay area and just far enough north of southern california that i'm like in the middle of no man's land and there's really nothing nobody's growing anything here um what so what kind of flowers are you using these days i'm still kind of getting flour from like several different places i get my main bread flour from lindley mills in north carolina um actually I believe I found out about them through like artisan Brian's Instagram. And then they like Lindley Mills is awesome. They, they heard that I needed flour and they like immediately were like, Hey, that's let's cool. talk. That's so cool. <laughs> and I'm like, that's what I need is someone just to like, basically tell me what I need to do. You know, I have enough to think about that. I'm like, what should I do? So I get my main flour from them. And then I, I kind of get my, my, uh, I mill all, my own whole grains and so i usually get my wheat berries from like different places um i've gotten them from like this amish community in indiana to uh, great river milling in wisconsin to um i can't remember the name what's the big one in utah that central milling (laughs) yes thank you um I've, i've gotten some from central milling recently so uh Those are like the three or four main places. Hi friends, I wanted to take a quick moment to remind you about my collaboration this season with my friend Tyler at the Wire Monkey Shop. This season, all my guests will receive this one-of-a-kind, limited-edition, handcrafted walnut lam emblazoned with the Sourdough Podcast logo. And of course, you too can score your perfect loaf like the pros. A portion of all purchases goes right back into the production of the podcast, So you can score with style and feel good at the same time knowing your purchase is helping inspire our sourdough community. Not your style, maybe your spouse or significant other is a sourdough fanatic. Talk about the perfect Valentine's Day gift, am I right? So head on over to the Sourdough Podcast website. Your support makes all the difference. Now, back to the show. What what kind of whole wheat percentage are you kind of gravitating towards these days you you mill your own uh whole grains you said or do you have like a like a percentage you you aim for yeah I shoot for about 25 percent okay for all i mean all of my loaves and then i haven't come up with like a i mean i'd love to do you know like a 50 or 75 percent but i also don't know if that would be a really popular loaf or not in this community, <laughs> but there's only, there's only one way to find out, I guess. And I just need to do it. Uh-huh. 
No, that's interesting. I, I also have kind of settled on 25 myself. I know, I know, yeah, a lot of other people have, you know, experimented with like 40% and um, that works for them. But yeah, no, I, as far as like what I have found works best in my oven and shaping and yeah, 25, that's kind of where I'm at too these days. Um, what are some of like the fundamental pieces of equipment that you use every day in your baker? You mentioned the Rothko. Um, what else do you use on a regular basis? Um, I have the, you know, the Como bio, uh, grain mill, the big ones. And mm. I, I mean, most of the, most of the standard stuff that probably most other people use, I don't think I have anything that's like out of the ordinary, um, tubs that I bought at Target and, um, the scale of course. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's fairly easy kind of entry as far as like kind of the equipment you need, um, to get started. Yeah. It was there, is there like one type of tool you wish you had if you could you know if you could ha get your hands on one thing right now to make your life easier what would it be i would just wish i had some shelves <laughs> all my all my stuff is kind of just like pushed underneath my like shaping bench and it's like organ as organized as it can be but if i had some shelves that would be really nice but i feel like i can't you know, it's a small space like most people are dealing with. And so even when I would think I need something, I'm like, where would I put it? Mm. So I have, I have the issue of like sharing the refrigerator with my family. And so on Thursdays, I'm always like, just, it's like Tetris, you know, putting, <laughs> moving, moving the food all up onto one shelf. And that then, is <laughs> impressive that you're able to bake 50 loaves a week without a second refrigerator yet. Well, thankfully it's been cold enough that I have been actually able to do some ambient proofing, which I totally just was like, I'm going to try this tonight and hopefully it all works out. Even though I have to like, people are relying on these loaves tomorrow. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't want to have to buy another fridge basically. Yeah. I keep thinking like maybe at some point I'm just going to have to like find some Craigslist deal of, someone wanting to get rid of a refrigerator. Um, so here's a question. I, I think I asked uh, Justin Gomez, um, and I'm curious like what you would, would say, but you know, the kind of the beautiful thing about opening cottage bakery is it's such a reflection of, of each individual um, and their community and, and uh, their family, you know, and I'm just curious what, what kind of like values or like ideals do you, do you like want people to think of or come to mind when they visit your bakery or, or eat your bread? Huh, interesting. Um, I mean, I honestly I just want people to enjoy it and enjoy mm -hmm. it as kind of unique experience of, I mean, I wish there's many times where I wish I could be my customer, you know, like if, <laughs> if there was someone I could, I could walk to I just think it's like the coolest thing you know I'm kind of and I didn't like do it intending on you know like I'm doing this because I wish somebody else was doing it but I wish I could be on the other side and so I just want people to like experience this kind of unique situation and that's like the response that I generally get is you know I have this one customer who reminds me all the time she's like this is just so cool I'm just so I'm just so excited to be a part of this Samira 
Dillis uh, asks if you have ever thought about becoming a full-time baker. Is that something, is that like part of your long-term vision or are you just kind of playing it by ear right now? I have, you know, I've been asked that question and I don't see myself being a full-time baker. No. Um, I mean, I would, it would be awesome to have like a totally separate space to do El Bread, but I would want it to be on our property or at the very least, you know, like within walking distance from our home. And even then, you know, I would, I only really want to be open like two days a week and just kind of like, just still do what I'm doing. Um, And I've seen people do that and do it and be successful at it. And so, yeah, I just kind of look to that model of, because it's, it can be like all consuming. I can see how it can be all consuming because I get really excited and I want to do all these things. And I mean, if I didn't have a family, I would, I would probably, you know, fall into that just fine. But yeah, just for me, I, I wouldn't want to, you know. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit more about your community there in Louisville um, and kind of, well, I mean, let's, let's maybe like start inward and, and branch outward. Um, tell me about your family and how have they kind of like supported you in this venture? I, you know, I've really kind of started to notice a theme within our, my conversations and within our community that when people do start these things, like obviously families very much involved um, and, and really has to be on board with it. What, what, what's been kind of your experience with your, with your, you know, nuclear family? I'm fortunate enough to have my husband who is a business owner and he, I mean, he's just been so incredibly encouraging and supportive and helpful to just get me to think, um, think about El Bread in, in ways that I've, probably wouldn't have otherwise Mm. and you know just telling me basically when I have a good idea or a bad idea or when I should um like when I have certain goals and if I should make them bigger or smaller um and he's he's coming from a lot of experience and so that's really great he's you know basically a live-in consultant that's great you know yeah. And he's also a graphic designer. So like I had that in the bag and, um, my kids, I think they're, it's funny cause they are like, I mean, they love the bread, they eat it all <laughs> the time, but I feel like they're like kind of just catching on to that. It's like a thing that I'm doing, <laughs> like, you know, it's like a business Mom, and mom's a baker now. Oh my goodness. They, I remember one time, one of my oldest or my oldest was like, you you don't work. Like you don't know how to make money. And I was like, "What?" (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I tried not to be offended, but I kind of wanted to cry a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's, I mean, that's different because like my kids, I could do whatever I want all day long and they won't, they don't know any different, you know, but your kids are older and they're like kind (laughs) of growing with you through this, uh, you know, life stage or, you know, this big kind of, yeah. Um, chap- new chapter in your life. Yeah. But now, I mean, I had my oldest with me at the last market I did. And now he's like, he can't stop talking about how I'm going to be famous someday, which I'm like, <laughs> oh, buddy. Okay, buddy. Like, let's reel, reel it in a little bit. Um, and, you know, my husband told him that I was going to be 
interviewed tonight and they were just like what like they just they were getting like so excited i'm like you guys are are really cute they yeah they're excited they support their mom they believe in their mom yeah they do they also want to make money so they ask (laughs) them all the time if they can help me with the bread so that they can make some money oh yeah yeah Say you can wash all of the tubs and the dishes exactly. and yeah. Start at the bottom. Uh-huh. How has, uh, you kind of talked about this a little bit already, but um, your local uh, neighborhood, you know, greater kind of Louisville area or community, how have they kind of like received you? And like, can you talk more about, I guess that like kind of like that lady you were talking about, like just who's like, wow, this is a really cool and fun experience to like, you know, meet the people person who has made my bread. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you had more experiences like that or? Yeah. I'm, I think in general, people are excited. You know, the, I've only done two markets and, um, you know, both of them sold out within an hour or two. And of course I didn't have a ton of things, but it still was like, Whoa, that, you know, that was just crazy. Uh-huh. And you know, generally I, I, I get good feedback and people keep ordering bread and I've, you know, I've been getting more new people, which is always exciting. Cause it's kind of like, well, how did you hear about me? And I think it's just, cause I, you know, I don't advertise at all and I don't, I don't really put myself out there. It's just all been word of mouth up to this point. That's great. Which, you know, it's just, it's the easy way to, to be known, I guess. And so people just tell their friends and I do hear stories occasionally of um like people talking about el bread that like i don't know these people and it's just it's kind of bizarre that people you know (laughs) would be talking about it and i'm not there and they're they're kind of like talking about it like this is this little cool thing and um so it's it's kind of cool just to have this it's almost like a little secret club that only a certain amount of people know about you know yeah yeah. And it's fun to like introduce people to that, uh, you know, naturally leavened bread for the first time. Oh, yeah, totally. I, I found that that's like kind of a foreign concept, you know, and, and once they hear about it and taste it, it's just, yeah, it's kind of illuminating and, you know, they keep coming back for more. So, yeah. Um, well, as has been the case recently, I keep going over the hour. I, I promise my guests. <laughs> Um, but I do want to kind of ask one final question and I think that's a good one, um, to end on, but if, you know, if there was kind of one piece of advice you kind of wish you had kind of before you started this whole cottage bakery journey, um, what would it be? Huh? I knew you were going to ask me this and I've had, I've had time to think about it and I don't know. You know, I don't know if I have an answer, honestly. Yeah. Are there, I mean, are there like, are there resources you wish you knew about or, or, or maybe just resources you would recommend to people um, to, to check out? That was a question from Kathleen Blackley. If, if you could kind of maybe share some resources that you had access to or, or found or while you were starting this. Yeah. So the, the Instagram community, of course, just, I don't even know how I started just talking to people and 
you know, when I had questions, I just kind of reached out, like saw if anybody would answer mm-hmm. and I, you know, read a lot of books and just really a lot of trial and error, mm-hmm. which is kind of just how you do things when you're self-taught. You just, you know, just keep trying until you get, do something that feels good to you. Cause you know, all of our loaves are at least a little bit different from each mm-hmm. other's and it's because we make them in a way that, you know, we like. And so, yeah, I really just books in the internet were mm-hmm. my biggest sources. You know, I took like one class with Sarah Owens when she was in town, but that was really just to meet her. Uh-huh. Um, I had already kind of knew, but I just feel like there's workshops all over the place right now. There's, you know, they're, they're popping up all over the place and I would, I haven't personally done one of them yet. I would love to, but that's like another way of getting more like hands-on experience. Um, yeah. I think, yeah, I think in general, especially, you know, cottage bakers are excited to share because they want to see other people doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's definitely a, a theme in our little community. People are just very generous and, and sharing. I, yeah, I just like today I was, I've been like trying to figure out like what's like, what size, you know, batard should I be putting in this basket? And I kind of, I threw that out there and I just had a ton of people share their answers and give me some pointers. And so, yeah, we have a very generous community and you're part of that, Noel. And it's just been so uh, fun to, uh, yeah, connect with you in person today. Well, not in person, I guess, virtually, but, you know, have a conversation with you after all these years of, of kind of messaging and you know, high-fiving each other um, on Instagram. and But uh, so thank you for coming on the show. Um, is there is there like a way people can connect with you? Um, and, and what's the best way for them to get some of your bread? So right now, Instagram is the only way that I sell my bread. Um, so yeah, just Instagram or my email, just lbreadshop at gmail. And this year, hopefully, if you're local, I'm, you know, going to be doing more markets and some pop-ups. So just cool. keep your ears open. Awesome. Well, I look forward to kind of following along your journey um, as I have been for several years now and kind of seeing where that takes you. Um, but uh, yeah, thanks for coming on the podcast, Noel. Yeah, of course. It's been Thank great you. to have you. Thanks. Have a great night. You too, Mike. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to find out more about the podcast or hear previous episodes, go to the sourdoughpodcast.com. And while you're there, send me your sourdough questions. I'll try to pick one or two questions per episode and submit them to our guest on air. Also, don't forget to follow us on Instagram and be sure to share your best loves with hashtag sourdoughpodcast and I'll repost my favorites. We need your support, so if you like what you heard, please make sure to subscribe and rate us on iTunes. See you next time. Looking out up at a color-filled sky in a valley full of granite The sun shines way behind It's gone down A million miles of stars align Waking me up in the middle of a cool, clear night To what I found May tell another story. The hills sing out across the land. The 
skies telling me a story through the stars of a maker's hand. Leaves have fallen off everything, ain't it funny how colorful they can be, even, even when they're dying. Seventeen miles I've been walking, come much closer to the stars talking to me. Will I ever get there? The morning light may tell another story. The hills sing out across the land. The evening sky is telling me a story. Stars of a maker's hand. Thank you.